coming to you from the City of Angels. You're tuned in to Rob Save Sports, your daily dose for all things LA sports. Join us and let's save sports one podcast at a time. Now, your host, Robert Yamagata. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Rob Save Sports Podcast, and we got NBA Summer League to talk about today. It started a couple days ago, and we are right in the thick of it. And just a first impression on the Clippers Summer League team and some of the couple guys on there. And then we're also going to talk about the WWE stories that have been coming out recently, and, and then moving on with AEW stuff. So the Summer League started uh, July 7th. And I've always liked Summer League. A lot of it is, you know, don't really need to take a lot into it. But there are some good things that you want to see for the top draft uh, top, top draft picks. And I think we've seen that now. Even with the top five picks, a lot of them have shown pretty decent skills. have really played well. And usually, you know, there's only the top couple picks that kind of show out. Uh, during the summer league but we've seen it you know this draft is i think a lot deeper than what most people thought keegan murray was the fourth pick for the kings and he's looked a lot better than what i pictured him to be he's extremely sound player he's he's very good at relocating and like just finding open uh finding open shots you know because a lot of times when you're the first pick and you have a lot you know, you're probably going to be asked to do a lot, handle the ball um, the majority of the time. But when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's very good at relocating to open shots, going to the corners. A lot of good things uh, from a young player that's good to see uh, with him. Paulo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, Chad Holmgren all have played pretty well during the summer league. And, you know, for not for the top picks... The players who aren't the top picks trying to get a roster spot, having it's important to show certain skill sets that you can translate to coming off the bench. Can't are you able to get to the corners? Are you able to relocate? Are you able to set good screens? Uh, rebounding extremely well, uh, moving the ball, having it not stick to one side, having good defensive instincts, and I'm not and I don't mean not just like. Uh, steals and blocks but just being able to read the defense you know even though you've only the team that you're on that you've only been playing for a couple weeks so there isn't going to be a lot of continuity but still showing that type of uh, defensive instincts and good decisions on defense that can help a team that can get you on a roster spot a lot of small things during the summer league that you can translate is also important for guys who aren't going to have the ball in their hands all the time and aren't going to be a focal point of the offense because you're you're probably going to be you know the sixth or seventh or eighth guy in the rotation so you need to find different ways to impact the game on a positive way and summer league is always a good way to show that and just i think the clippers have only had one game but the one game first impression is a lot of the guys that have are on the team have played either in the league, have had time in the G League, and have some experience uh, playing together, and it showed a lot. They were 
really good from the start. Played with great pace, able to get good shots. The three most important guys to look at, uh, Brandon Boston Jr., Jason Preston, and Musa Diabate. They're the Clippers' second-round pick of this year. And Jason Preston, who was drafted uh, last year, who had to basically set out the entire year because of a foot injury. You know, this is his first real NBA type of play during the summer league. And it's always the for him coming out of the draft. It was always, you know, he's not too athletic to be a guard, but he has a big guard at 6'4". You know, he controlled the pace a lot and he was able to find a lot of good open shooters. He has a pretty good shooting stroke from three, allowing him to space the floor when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. I think there are times where he still needs to get stronger because there are times where he was getting guarded almost full court. And I think there were a couple times where either he felt a little out of control or he turned the ball over uh, trying to get by probably more athletic uh, defender. But still, uh, I could see him getting getting some time in the G League on the new Ontario Clippers G League. Same with uh, Brandon Boston Jr. You know, clearly his offensive game is a lot higher, a lot more competent than you would think for a guy who was a second round pick last year and at 20 years old has a really good offensive a game that is effect is not only uh, advanced but also effective. You know, being more efficient, uh, creating his own shot, and then also, you know, finishing and making the shot as well. Because a lot of guys can can get the separation, can get have a array of moves to get them their own shot, but you have to be able to hit that shot at an efficient level to really be the a part of the NBA rotation. And I think unfortunately because if everyone's healthy, I don't see him getting a lot of minutes on the roster. You know, there's always a chance where they can make consolidation trades still, you know, the NBA season doesn't start until October, so there is still a ton of time to figure out uh some of the big potential trade options for the NBA. Guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, Miles Turner on the lower side, you know, guys who have expressed being traded, but the amount of value or the pack, the trade package that they're asking for could possibly be too high for teams to take. So I don't know how this is going to end for Brooklyn, you know, having Kyrie and Durant both requesting a trade after three years of being together on the team. And they're kind of in limbo right now, depending on what happens. Uh, and if they, and if they're going to get the trade, the trades that they want to get the most, uh, to get the most assets out of their trade. But for, yeah, the last, the last player is the rookie Musa Diabate. You know, he was picked in the second round. And so usually with the second round pick, if you're taking a guy who has a high ceiling, you know, a lot of potential, you don't really lose too much uh, taking a chance on that guy. And I think the stuff that we've seen from him 
uh, in the first game was you know encouraging. He was super active uh, on the glass, on the offensive, on the offensive glass, uh, being a pest, being you know being able to keep the ball alive. If he can't get the rebound, to tip it back. Uh, you know, it's it shows how much stronger he needs to get. I think he can fill that out. You know, it, it's possible during the season if he can get, you know, 10 to 15 pounds stronger throughout the season and being able to finish at the rim and being a very active defender also. Because in Michigan, even though he was a center and usually for normal, uh, for younger centers, they have a tendency to draw a lot of fouls. But in Michigan, he wasn't really doing that. And he was playing 25 plus minutes a night. And so I think he he showed a lot of poise that, you know, if he's if he's going to be switched on to guards, that he has the ability to stay in front of a lot of guards and has the length to challenge and alter shots at the rim. And all, another thing I noticed is that he has a very he has a pretty good offensive game for a guy that young you know he's not someone who's just who only gets it right at the rim he has a decent hook shot that he has he's pretty patient uh inside and it showed because he was able to get to the free throw line a lot but unfortunately he was not making a lot of them which is always an is always an issue for centers not being able to make free throws but i think he can get better at that his stroke is not too bad you know it's something that he can work on and get better but yeah i just i just really liked his activity uh during the game and his his ability to rebound at a high level which the clippers really had an issue with at times during the season and depending on what happens with the roster you know he is someone that possibly during the end of the season you know, where wherever the Clippers are in the standings, I could see him getting uh, spot minutes to get some of the bigs some rest. Because I think that the Clippers have said is that they're more willing to go small throughout the season because of having Robert Covington, because of having Nick Batum, uh, having Kawhi and PG on the team. You know, a lot of those guys are pretty big and very good at rebounding. And so for them to go small, it's not really too bad. I just worry about when, they, when they're playing teams with dominant bigs, you're asking a lot for those guys who are undersized at that center position to guard legit uh, centers during the NBA season. And, you know, they're maybe be rectifying that. We're taking a chance on Moses Brown, uh, giving him a, tra- a training camp invite. Uh the thing about Brown, when he was coming in the draft, why well, I thought he would stay another year in college because I did not think he was he was ready at all basketball wise, and I think just mentally wise. And for him to come into the league at twenty, and this is his fifth team in four years at twenty two, still a lot of potential that could be had for him. I'm curious because for him being on teams that weren't very good that I wonder why he wasn't playing for their G League team 
a lot more. He only has one game in the G League in his career. And, you know, when he got minutes in Oklahoma City and also Cleveland, you know, he showed a decent amount. You know, he's seven foot two. He is a big, big, big man. Being able to be a shot blocker, good rebounder, finishing at the basket. Uh, the reason probably he hasn't sticked to a, to a team yet, he still is not, still, I feel, doesn't have that mentality of being the biggest guy on the court and using the size dominantly. And, you know, hopefully with him coming into the to Clippers training camp, whatever they see in him, you know, they have recently the Clippers have a good track record of finding and elevating the players that maybe have haven't had success on other teams but can find success here and so we're going to see that how that happens and how it shakes out for him getting the training camp invite i wonder if they are also looking for a veteran center to get just in case you know moses brown does a workout because i i would be a little worried if they came into the season with really evita zubak as their only legit center on the team i would be worried about that and you know, with the summer league going on, it's still been recently been going on. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more to talk about, uh, some more uh, reactions once the summer league ends, and we can get a better, better look at a bunch of players that have been playing in the summer league, some some of the top draft picks, and some of the surprises that some players have showed in the summer league. So to move from basketball to wrestling, there has been a bunch of stories that have come out. I don't think we've talked about it, but we've talked about the Vince McMahon allegations. Well, not allegations. They're stories that came out in the Washington Journal about him paying hush money to former employees, to former executives, assistants, wrestlers you know with him having relationships with them but also affecting their employment status you know signing the non non NDAs and then those NDAs coming out it's showing a lot of you know I don't I don't think anyone is really surprised of the behavior just based on the type of behavior he's shown his entire life and with the character he plays uh, on screen, which is probably a variation of himself, but just turned up to the nth degree. And so it feels like something that a lot of people have known. You know, it's always, it's the people who, you know, those wealthy people who have an absorbent amount of wealth. You would never think that they're like the nicest guy in the world. You know, those people that make up that much money, you know, they have to be a little bit removed from reality at some point. You know, with him, it shows, you know, the amount of care that, or carelessness that he has and like to coerce his former employees for sexual relationships in order to gain more status on the company. You know, that regardless of how successful the company is, the person running the company acting like this 
it doesn't bode well for your public perception. But obviously, we've seen it now that some of the public perception with him is you wonder if there is going to be able to have, if there are going to be repercussions for his actions. And the fact that he shows up on television and, you know, you hear the audible cheers for him and almost almost enabling him to be more defiant and more uh, boastful about the story coming out. Because I don't, I don't think he's necessarily saying that it's not true. I'm just, they're just saying he's, he's been getting away with a bunch of stuff, not just this, but you're talking about a rape allegation charge, you know, the steroid era that had to go to legitimately had to go to court and all these things he's been able to get by and overcome. And so with the stories come out, people can be a little bit, not very uh, optimistic on what kind of punishment he'll have, but it seems like this is not the this is not the end of this, and this is not going to be the last the last stories that come out. And although it's unfortunate that people people don't want to connect uh, Vince McMahon, the real life CEO, with you know Vince McMahon, the character on screen in WWE, but I I think the people who either you know don't think it's wrong or he did nothing wrong or are supporting him personally I have a feeling that you know there's always this obsession with status and people with wealth and how they the perception of them is they can do no wrong because of all the power they have all the wealth and I think you know that's very that's very attractive to people. You know, I think the people who are dead set on supporting him, I think that they they feel that they should have that type of power. You know, they want that type of control. They want that type of wealth, status, being a part of a large conglomerate. It's very enticing to them. And so it's not surprising that people feel that way and are supporting the guy regardless of the allegations that come out because there's always going to be people like that but i can understand that people can still watch wwe and support the company because of the wrestlers in the company you know i don't think you should punish the wrestlers because of the actions of the ceo but also the people who are wanting to get released and who have and they have not been released i think there's no reason for them to hold out because of the situation they're in right now and with that situation we even i think a lot of people have forgotten about the sasha and iomi situation also they walked out of a show i think a couple months ago demanding you know better involvement in the tag team division that they've been in from other sources it looks like that both of them have been released by the company it's not 100% confirmed yet, but the report is that people on the inside have not really talked about it and have not either confirmed or denied it with the reports of them really not being in the internal roster with the company. So it feels like more than likely that they are not going to come back or they've been released. I know both of them have had contracts coming up, 
So I wonder if they're just waiting for the contract to expire and probably releasing and just letting their previous contracts uh, expire. But obviously the situation there and then the allegations coming up kind of wonder the treatment of women in that company have are a lot less to be desired. Considering the people that I've seen on podcasts uh, doing interviews about their time there, the, the demand to look a certain way, to be featured a certain way, or if they don't want to have sex with you, then you can't be a top woman on the show. And considering how it's been going so far, you can understand why the woman would be upset and would are happy to not be there anymore. The company is, I think the company is free to do whatever they want uh, with releasing people, hiring people, like whatever, whatever it is. But the reputation that they're creating is, I think, not a positive one in that light. And it continues to show every time someone leaves and gives their firsthand uh, experience. And then people constantly go at them saying that, well, they just couldn't cut it in the company. Well, if you're describing the behavior of the top CEO in the company, you can can probably understand why they were going to get there in the first place. So there's a lot of nuance to this uh, with pro wrestling. You know, pro wrestling is never the a place where everything is squeaky clean or, you know, always on the right side of situations. But hopefully that there can be some positive change that comes out of this. And a little bit of AEW talk right now. You know, they had the Forbidden Door pay-per-view which was very successful they had their special blood and guts tv special which pulled over a million views you know i think they're hitting they're hitting a good stride now with uh nba playoffs and nhl playoffs not interrupting their scheduled programming and with even with that with having a bunch of guys injured right now they've been able to still put on very good shows having a good crowd every single night which is always a good time having good quality matches and with you know the continued talks of uh, ring of honor and finding a spot finding a spot for weekly programming you know hopefully a streaming service possibly a place where they could where where already a lot of people have and so to make it as easy easily accessible to people who want to watch it and have don't have to take don't have to spend a lot of time uh, looking for it but yeah they've been able to they've I think the difference between AEW and WWE is they've been able to circulate circulate different wrestlers into programs in and out of programs so you're not seeing the same matchups uh, constantly or continuously you know there are times where some people are are out longer than usual but then them reappearing i think gives them a fresh a fresh look a fresh story that they can build so they're not facing the same person over and over again and hopefully 
developing the new young stars and the possibility of Sasha Banks or Naomi leaving WWE who's to say that they could make the trip and become all elite and I understand that there are people that saying the WWE the AEW women's roster has is a little yet to be desired as far as far as TV programming but I think they've been able to build a very very good uh, roster women's roster probably the best they've had so far but it's also about utilizing them correctly and I think if they were to come to work for a different company I think there is there should be already an, an understanding of how they want to work and how they want to make stories and I and and I also think that hiring hiring women who have had the experience of building those stories and making women making prominent women storylines in wrestling because it can't just be one person we've seen that already and for the most part it feels like you need to have more than one person uh collaborating you know not necessarily giving giving the final say away but just being able to collaborate and making better better decisions for everyone and so gonna keep going on with that we're gonna see what happens and we're gonna see what happens during this NBA offseason seeing what the Clippers do and you know it is a little bit of a lull right now for the summer once we get with just uh, baseball going on which shout out to the Dodgers they've been playing extremely well as always even though they've had a ton of injuries so far they've been able to continue to win and get better and it's good to see you know halfway through the MLB season we got a handful of all-stars uh, on the team for this season Clayton Kershaw Tony Gonsolin Trey Turner Mookie Betts you know the team is very good and you know we're gonna hope that they can get that momentum and get back to the World Series and that is going to do it for this episode of the Rob Safe Sword Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you see this on Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast, please rate five stars. And we'll see you next time on the Rob Safe Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to Rob Safe Sports, saving sports one podcast at a time. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. To connect with Rob, visit us on social media at Rob Save Sports. We'll see you next time.